0: as you're seated tonight, let me ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Gospel John chapter 8. We'll be there in just a moment. Um, appreciate Steve uh, preaching for us last week, and uh, he and I had a, a nice heart-to-heart talk about that. I, I asked him, I said, uh, if, how many... Folks, do you see come to faith in Christ? And he told me the number. And I said, How many do you get to walk through the process of them growing up to be Christ followers? He said, The evangelist doesn't get to do that. And I said, Yeah, but I can tell it's in your heart. He said, Oh, yeah. I said, Well, that's what I want you to preach about. (laughs) And you did good. You did good. Um, One thing I want to share with you, real quickly, um, take a moment. If you are uh, in our, part of our leadership team here, that means if you're on staff or if you're one of our deacons, if you're a small group leader, uh, lead a, a major portion of ministry anywhere, um, we need you. As a matter of fact, uh, I, according to our uh, new constitution and bylaws, I, I have to require of you that you go through our Discover of needs easier course. And if you have not already signed up to do that, you can still uh, respond to the invitation you got by email or text or just go online and do that. So all of our leadership, we need you to uh, complete that. If not this Sunday, then the following Sunday at four in the afternoon. Uh, Because then after that, we're opening up to all of our people who are interested in joining or new members of our church to where they can find out more about our... uh, Core values and about our structure and uh, what really moves us as a church family and that's going to begin as a matter of fact uh, then three Sundays from now. so if you haven't already fa- uh, signed up for that, let me encourage you to to do that. so welcome back again to followology um, as we try to understand more and more of what it means to follow after Christ, to be a Christ follower and tonight, I want us to continue thinking along some lines that we did last week about what it means. live in the word. So in John chapter 8, and you'll find verse 31 for me, Jesus is speaking to some of the Jews who've expressed faith uh, in, in him, in God through him. And let's look what he says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, now there's that word abide, okay, and that's so key to us. Remember, that means to live in a vital union with, to draw our, our life and our purpose and our, 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 our energies, everything that it takes to survive. That's what that word means. If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. You're not just those who speak it, but you're those who do that. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So I want us to dig into that a little tonight. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to, as you have guarded those words over the years, that now you just apply them to our life and heart here tonight. And help us to grow in our our followology, in learning what it is to follow fast after you. We love you, Lord. We bless your name. Amen. So we've learned that, that key the key to our discipleship, the key to growing in our our following is learning to abide in Christ. Uh, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. But without me, you can do nothing. That's John 15:5. And so we started out looking at abiding in Christ. And then we say, okay, what does that look like? How do I do that? Well, the next thing we go here, it means to abide in the Word, to live in the Word, to draw our life's essence and direction from His Word. So here's what I want you to know tonight. First, first lesson, first thing I want you to write down is this. The written Word and the living Word are the same. Let me say that again. The written Word and the living Word are the same. The written word, of course, is our holy scriptures. The living word is none other than Jesus Christ. And to abide in him is to abide in his word. To abide into his word is to abide uh, in him. These two are the same. John would write, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. Without him was not anything made that was made. And it says that in that word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. These two are one and the same. Turn uh, turn over to Hebrews for a moment, to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. And I want you to to notice how the writer here sets up everything he's going to do throughout all of this, uh, uh, this interesting, interesting book. He says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to our fathers by the prophets, has in these last days, look at this, spoken to us by his Son. Spoken, what do you speak? You speak words. So he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the world's who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholds all things by the word of his power. I want you to see throughout the Bible, when it talks about the written word and the living word, they're all the same. And I'll tell you why that's important in a moment. Both Jesus and the scriptures are called the word of God. Both Jesus and the Scriptures are called the Word of God. Both Jesus and the Scriptures are said to save. Both Jesus and the Scriptures will judge us. Both Jesus and the Scriptures live forever. Both Jesus and the Scriptures can be received. Both Jesus and the Scriptures can be rejected. Both are called the way. Both are called the truth. Both are said to give life. Both are called bread. Both are called light. And neither can be broken. And and this list goes on and on as you compare what what the the Scripture says about the Scriptures themselves and the the, the living Word, Jesus Christ. So what does that all mean to us? Here's here's where it comes to a sharp point on our followology. When you open the written Word you're encountering the living word. Now, that's the thing I want you to grasp. You're not just reading words on a page. You are coming into contact and experiencing and encountering the living word, Jesus Christ. And this this totally transforms what it means to live in the word. And, And what we do in our devotion times, when we open the scriptures, we're literally coming in contact with the risen, living Lord Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean just where the words are written in red, okay? That's from Genesis all the way to Revelation. This is true. So here this is the first lesson I want you to grasp. It's really a I I'm really reminding you a little bit about what I taught a couple of weeks ago. But now let's take this to the next level, because there is another level here in this verse. Look at what it says again. If you abide in my word, if you're living in my word, if you're drawing your life's essence out of my word, then you are really my disciples. You're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. Underline that. And you'll know the truth. Now look at me. I want you to hear this very carefully. Truth is not a thing. Truth is not a fact. Truth is a person. You got that? Truth is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. We abide in his word, and we don't get to know a thing. We don't get to know facts, though we do. We get to know the living word, Jesus Christ himself. Now, this is important, that we get to know truth, and that truth is personified. Because you and I live in an age where knowledge is venerated. Knowledge is nearly worshipped in the age in which we live. And we sometimes totally miss that knowledge is to lead us to truth. Knowledge is not the truth. Knowledge is facts. But it's designed to lead us to truth. And the truth, again, is the person in Jesus Christ. So when we dig into the living word, when we abide, live in, draw our life's essence from the written word of God, we are experiencing and encountering the real living word of God. Now, let's look, is this found elsewhere? Yes, turn to John 14 for a minute. John chapter 14, very familiar verse. We're going to go to verse 6, but he, Jesus begins by saying, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. But then over in when, when Thomas asks him, you know, where are you going? How can we know the way? Here is how he responds to that. Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life and no man comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say he has the truth though he does. He didn't say he teaches the truth yet he does. He didn't say he, he uh, uh, knew the truth even though he does. He doesn't say he points to the truth even though he does. He said I am the truth The truth. I am the truth. Truth is a person and his name is Jesus. He is not one truth among many truths. Uh, Let let, let me me just say that again. There is no room in biblical thinking for you to have your truth and me to have my truth and God to have his truth. There's no room for that. Truth, by its very definition, is exclusive. It's exclusive. Now, you can have perspective on truth. You can have different perspectives on truth. But truth is a singularity. Truth is single. Truth is exclusive. And Jesus made it even more exclusive in this sentence. This doesn't come across in our English uh, but it's so apparent there in the Greek language, it jumps off the page at you because he uses an exclusive um, combination of words. And so if you translated it word for word, it would come across this. I am the the one and only way. I am the one and only truth. I am the one and only life. And no man will ever, never, no never... Three negatives. That's why Jesus wouldn't have made it through Mrs. Poe's English class. Never, no, never, not ever come to the Father unless they come through me. Now, this is very, very narrow. This is very, very exclusive. And this is the verse that broad-minded, you know, intellectuals get all bent out of shape about. But it's some of the simplest Greek that a first-year Greek student can read every bit of that and come away with the same conclusions. Truth is exclusive. But truth is also personified in Jesus Christ. So, well, Brother Fred, is this taught anywhere else in the Scriptures or is it just taught here? No, it's taught throughout the Scriptures, specifically in the New Testament. Let me give you a couple things real quick. And I'll just uh, turn turn to Revelation chapter 3, but I'm going to read another passage over you while you're doing that. I'm going to read from John um, 1, 14. I referenced it earlier. And the word, that's the expression of God himself, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the word full there means the fullness of, filled to the brim. You can't put anything more in there. Full of truth. Revelation 3 verse 7, referring to who this is that is the eminence of God himself. It says, he who is holy, he who is true. See that? And over in in chapter 19 and verse 11, now I saw heaven open and behold on a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. That's his name because that's who he is. So, okay, let's go back to our first passage, John chapter eight. So Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And then you will know the truth. So abiding in the word takes us from reading the written word to encountering the living word. And as we encounter the living word, we're encountering truth personified. Truth all wrapped up in in, in a person. That's Jesus Christ. So what does that mean for us and following, you don't just read the Bible for facts. You don't just read the Bible for knowledge. You go to the Bible to experience and encounter Jesus. Now, that's will revolutionize your quiet time with the Lord, okay? It'll totally revolutionize it. You're not just going through a few scriptures to uh, to uh, uh, check it off that you did your devotion. Or let me just, let me let, me let you crawl inside my skin for a minute as, as, as a... Uh, Aged pastor. (laughs) It's easy to go to the Bible to defend a position as an apologist. It's easy to go to the Bible to teach a lesson. It's easy to go to the Bible to gather material to preach a sermon. You know, I can do all of those things and never really encounter Christ. And so can you. And so... I went through a period in my life that I was a, a, a sermon churning machine. Okay, just 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 give me a few verses and I'll put you a sermon out there in no time. But many times that was devoid of experiencing God in those scriptures. And so, part of what revolutionized my life as a Christ follower was to first encounter Christ in the passage, and then the lesson or Uh, The refuting of an argument or the sermon comes out of that experiencing of Jesus Christ. So that's, that's the order. If you want to know the truth, you want to get to know a person. And the person is Jesus Christ. And you know the word revelation, not like in the book of Revelation, but with the word revelation, it means to reveal something that's hidden. Okay? To reveal something that's not known yet. So when you go and you open your Bible, here's what Jesus wants you to do. He says, I want to reveal myself to you. I want to reveal my heart to you. I want to reveal the reality of who I am to you. And this is so intensely personal because Tony's experience is going to be different from Kyler's, which is going to be different from Steve's because it's each and every one of us is personal in our encounter with the Lord. You see? So that's That's tremendous. If you abide in my word, then you're really my Christ followers. And you're going to know the truth because you're going to know me. But there's more. Let's look a little further. And the truth will make you free. The truth will set you free. Abiding in the word leads to encountering the reality and person of Jesus Christ. And encountering him, there comes an incredible freedom. Now let me pause a minute and say, in the land of the free, (laughs) the land where we nearly worship freedom, we terribly misunderstand what freedom is. Because we have this crazy idea, even as Americans, that freedom means I can do whatever I want to. Have you learned yet that that's not true? You know, uh, kids, they grow up and and, and they they, they can't wait to get off to college or going to trade school or get a job or whatever it is they're going to do because then they can be free. Yeah, right. (laughs) And then they, they want to get that job, they get a nice fat salary, and I can do that because now I'm free. I want to get to where I can retire because then I can be free. Freedom does not mean just to go do whatever you want to, does it, Tony? You're doing what your wife told you to do right now, aren't you? That's right. (laughs) Freedom doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want to. That's anarchy. That's, That's not freedom. Anarchy is the opposite of freedom. Freedom is the power to do what's right. Okay? Freedom is not... Just being able to do whatever you want to. Freedom is the power to do what you ought to do. That's, that's what, what freedom is. When you read the Bible, that comes through. And, and those who will take verses out of context and use the Bible to prove whatever they want to, they'll, they'll, they'll push this idea of, of freedom is freedom that I can do whatever I want to do with my body. That's not what the Bible says. That's not the freedom that the Scriptures teach. Freedom is the power to do what we ought to do. And now how does abiding in the truth then set us free? Okay, you you abide in the word, you're living in the word, you encounter Jesus himself, Jesus is truth, and that truth is what brings freedom. The truth is what brings freedom. How how does that that happen? There's a lot of ways I can go into this and just, oh, I have a good time with this, but I, I want to show you one thing, how... Abiding in the Word leads to knowing the truth, and the truth can set you free. Satan is a liar. Now, I'm not speaking derogatory, that's Scripture, okay? Satan is a liar, he is a counterfeiter. And once you've been saved, he can never have your eternal soul. But he can rob you of your joy, and rob you of your fellowship and relationship with Jesus. And now how does he do that? Well, for every truth, he has a lie. And for every true, he has a counterfeit. And so here's what he does. He wants to whisper the lies into your ears, and he wants to offer you the cheap plastic version of faith, Because when you buy that, you're not experiencing the real. And you're weak, and you're anemic, and and, and you wonder, is this it? it?" No, you just bought a plastic version. I have a dear, dear friend, and uh, she spent years in Roman Catholicism. I'm I'm not bashing that, please don't understand. But she never went anywhere that she didn't have a little plastic Virgin Mary. And, and most of the time, she would have Jesus on a crucifix as well. She carried them in her pocketbook. She had them on a car, everywhere like that. And there came a time that she came to faith in Christ. And many, I have many Catholic friends that are definitely saved. Okay, don't, don't hear me bashing anything there. But she had bought a plastic version. And this is her words. I had bought a plastic version and wondered why I was so weak and so anemic in my faith. But when I encountered the living Jesus, the living Jesus, she said, I was never again satisfied with my little plastic Jesus. Because she said, I, that, it, that, it's a wonderful symbol. But let me tell you, my Jesus is not hanging on a cross. My Jesus is raised from the dead. <laughs> And so that's really important for me, that the cross back there is empty. And so is the empty tomb. Yes, he suffered for me, but he died, and then he rose again, and now he's alive. And I encounter him in the Word. That's one of the things that that she would often say. She said, I learned all of the things from the Catholic Missals and all of the, the teachings and everything like that and the catechisms and all, but I had never read the Bible. Had never read the Bible. It might have just been where she came from. It may have been just different for other, other people. But she said, as I began to read the Scriptures, then I encountered my living Lord Jesus, you see? And so, Jesus, you know, Satan wants to offer any kind of counterfeit he can. But here's one of the things that he does. He wants to whisper in your ear, not who you are in Christ, but who you were in your sins. He always wants to remind you of where you were. And so for everything Jesus offers of who you are in Christ, he's got a counterfeit and a lie to go with it. But when he's whispering those lies into your ear, here's how you, how you counter that. You counter it with the truth. No, here is who I am in Christ. When he reminds you of your past, <laughs> remind him of his future. Okay? I am not a perfect son of God, <laughs> but I'm not the man I used to be. And I'm not going back there either. <laughs> you see, God gives us who we are now in him. And so, how does how does this work? when the devil tells me who I am without Christ, I get to tell him who I am in Christ. And you see, the truth then sets me free. So I stumble and fall. I do something wrong. I know I've disappointed Christ. And Satan says, See, you're nothing but a worthless pile. And I say, you know what? God, who knows my past and my future, Knew that I wouldn't always walk in holiness, and I'm forgiven even of that sin. God hates you because you, you keep on messing up and you can't get it right and you stumble and fall. God loves me. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm redeemed in the beloved. You know you know that exercise we had a few weeks ago when I brought you through Ephesians chapter four through fourteen, and you wrote down all those things of who you are in Christ? I'm accepted in the beloved, I'm, I, I am, I'm totally loved, I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven, all of those things that are true. Man, just camp out there every time Satan comes at you with all of the lies about who you were. Say, yeah, but let me tell you who I am. And that's not who I feel like I am. That's who God says I am. Right here in black and white, or sometimes even in red and white, if you've got a red letter Bible. <laughs> that's that's what happened to me you you did not have to try to convince me before I was saved you didn't have to try to convince me that I was a sinner (laughs) I tell you (laughs) readily admit it kind of proud of it enjoyed living my life that way at the time because I didn't know there was any other life but when I came to faith in Christ I realized that my sins were forgiven and I had new life not in me But new life in him. New life in Christ. And where I I felt that I was hated by God, I never really was, but I felt like I was hated by God because I knew how I was living. Then I realized that I was loved by God. And where I always felt like I was on the outside, he said, come in, I've adopted you into my family. You're my child. You're my young'un. Everything about my identity began to change. And it's still changing more and more every day. Because your very identity is transformed as you abide in the Word. And as you experience the living Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, okay. How do we live in the Word in such a way that we experience the truth and then we incorporate the freedom okay let's get practical for just a minute how do you do this you know you got to read the word you know and don't read about the word read the word okay read read you can read your commentaries you can read read your devotionals but don't let that keep you from reading the word so you read the word you meditate on the word you think about it you take it apart you compare scripture to scripture you memorize it you you get put it in your brain okay but here's the trick. Here's the trick. You've got to apply it. You, you, you've got to apply it. That's what makes it work. Uh, my oldest grandson, uh, I think the day before we arrived up in Washington, uh, he went and had a, a, a new tattoo like he needed another one. He went to have a new tattoo. And so the doctor, or the, not the doctor, the guy that did the tattoo gave him a cream ointment. He said, you need to apply this X number of times, you know, blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. Well, uh, he forgot, you know, he's only 20. I mean, you know, anyhow, he forgot. And so <clears throat> it got infected. A part of it got infected. So he comes to his mom and says, Mom, you know, she said, are you putting the salve on it? Um, I forgot. Well, I happened to come by at that time, and I picked up the tube, and I said, it says right here, apply three times a day. Apply. What's that mean, Asher? Put it on. Yeah, it means put it on. Here. Okay. The Word of God must be applied. It's got to be applied to bring healing and transformation into our lives. And an, another word for that apply means is, is obey. Walk in it. Sit in that truth. Abide in in the truth that we are, are picking up. You know, you obey the word when you read it, you 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 believe it and you accept it and, and and you let it adjust your belief, it adjusts your behavior, it adjusts your identity, you let it be transformative within your life. He is the truth wants to reveal himself to you to where he can set you free from the lies of the enemy, but you've got to apply it. You've got to obey it. That's the the, the easiest, simplest word. So again, is, is this taught elsewhere in Scripture? Let me read some more of John 14 over you. Listen to this. Jesus said, Whoever has my commands and obeys them He's the one who loves me, and he will be loved by my Father. And I, too, will love him, and I'll show myself, reveal myself to him. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching, and my Father will love him, and we, listen to this, we will come to him and we'll make our home in him. Think about that. Holy God being at home in you. How does that happen? When we're obeying, when we're applying his word. You know, when I'm walking in obedience, my intimacy with Jesus is so precious. But when I'm the least bit out of fellowship with him, I'm uncomfortable. You know who the most uncomfortable person is on planet earth it's not the lost person it's not the lost person it's not the lost person because he don't know any better he's lost (laughs) it's the believer who's living in disobedience and out of fellowship with Jesus is the most miserable person on the planet but listen to me That misery is a gift of Holy Spirit because that misery is what's calling you back to himself. And how do you deal with that? By applying, by obeying, by walking in obedience. And then you're at home. And he's at home within you and you're at home with him being at home with you. So just think about what it is be at home we've been gone for 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 a week and and got back in it was so good to be at home you know and you just you're at home you can go to your refrigerator and get anything out of it you want to you can run around in your underwear you know you're at home okay you you can, you can do that you can do things like that when you're at home if there's a stranger in the room you know you don't do that oh I hope you don't do that maybe you do I don't know but I hope you don't God wants to be at home, to feel at home in our heart, and for us to be at home with him being at home in our heart. And so, how do we do that? We walk in obedience. Now, I stumble and fall often during the day just like you do. But you stay current with those things. You stay current by confessing those and repenting of those and applying the blood of Christ. and you That walks, gets you back to walking in obedience. You know? sometimes, sometimes your prayer in the middle of the day looks like this. God, me again, screwed up. Sorry, did it again. Help me. And you go on. That's not blasphemous, my friends. That's real. That's just real, okay? And you might as well stay real with him because he knows it. What do you think? You're hiding it from him until you confess it? <laughs> no. That's why the word says we agree with him. We agree with him because he already knows. And so we just say, okay, I know that you know, and, and I know, and we both know. So let me just agree with you about this. That was wrong. And, and, and you, you get to stay current with your relationship. Uh, again, John 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. There's that word again. You'll live in my love. You'll draw strength and purpose and life from my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and have abided in His love. But to get out of John for a moment, I can just live there when it comes to these truths. But Peter wrote something in 1 Peter. And if anybody ever knew something about how to, how to do it wrong, it was Peter, okay? He's got to be one of all of our heroes because <laughs> he got so much wrong, <laughs> And yet, he was so loved and was such a pillar in the church. But here, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. What do you say? Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you may have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from your heart. You and I cleanse ourselves, purify ourselves by applying the truth. You know, I hope you take a bath or a shower regularly. I hope you use soap. <laughs> you know, but what do you do with that? When you, when you apply the soap, when you scrub it in real hard, you know, you're, you're cleansing your body of those impurities you're getting rid of the excess epithelial cells you're doing all of these things that you have to do to to get clean literally when we live in the word we're lathering up and we're getting all all of the grime off of us how are we doing that? we're obeying the word that literally we cleanse ourselves when we come to the word and experience it that way You know, beware of Satan's counterfeit that says that that faith doesn't require repentance or that doesn't end up in being Christ followers and a Christian uh, disciple. Obedience is faith in action. Let me say one other thing. Obedience is love in action. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So, Our obedience is us loving God back. And we only love Him because He first loved us. But we get to love Him back. And we do that in every act of obedience. Anytime you turn away from a temptation, or run away, better, (laughs) from a temptation, it's an expression of, of love for God. You love Him by obeying. And that's why, that's why when we come to worship and the time comes, like, for us to give, there's nothing as worldly <laughs> as money. But when we give, that's loving God. That's, that's obeying God. That's an act of worshiping God. And that's why they're referred to as Love gifts. They're love gifts. Because it's a gift from our heart to God because we're obeying him. Anything you do in obedience, you're trying to break a bad habit, whatever that bad habit is, okay? Every time you obey God, it's a love gift for him. And he knows that. And he receives that as your act of worship. So let's kind of draw a string on this and then we're going to be be done for tonight. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him if you abide in my word if you live in a life giving union with my word then you'll know the truth and the truth is a person you'll know Jesus Christ who's revealing himself to you in his word and as he reveals that truth to you and as you follow that in application and obedience then he sets you free free to do anything you want to? no Freedom is the power to do what you ought. That's freedom. Now, this week I want you to kind of just just live in this, meditate on this, go back again to the, the sheet I gave you on uh, who I am in Christ, or go back to Ephesians 1, 4 through 14, go back over this. And every one of those things about who I am in Christ is a bullet to put in your gun When Satan comes after you with the lie, that's the bullet you shoot back. No, this is who I am. You're talking about who I was. Even who I was five minutes ago before I confessed that. You're telling me who I was. The living Word of God through the written Word of God is telling me who I am. We're going to learn to live in the Word. Now, let me say one last thing and then we're done. In two weeks, I think it is. I'm going to have you do some artwork with me. You do the You're the artist. I'm not. But you're going to do a little drawing. But first, you're going to think you're going to do is draw a circle, and that circle is you. And we're going to put abide in Christ, because this is who I am in Christ. I'm abiding in Christ. And then what we're going to do is we're going to draw a couple of legs down, and we're going to write living in the Word. John 8:31, 32. Because what we're going to do, be doing is we're going to start drawing the cross. And what anchors the cross in the ground is this bottom piece. What anchors you and I as a Christ follower is living in the Word. Nothing else anchors you. Not, not prayer, not ministry, not evangelism, uh, not, not fellowship. None of those things anchor you. What anchors you is living in the Word. And then we're going to build our cross around that. Let's pray. Father God, so glad to be back home. And Ebenezer is always home. So glad to be back home and to be with people I'm growing to love more every day. And just coming with him, with them and, and, and sharing the love that you and I have. And how you've, you've brought me over the years to to see what being a Christ follower is. And, and you show me more every day. And Lord, I, I, I can't sit one-on-one or one-on-three or one-on-ten with those here and, and work all this out and, and uh, give assignments and get reports. We can't do that. We're too big a group. But we can learn the tools. So Holy Spirit, take the tools we've talked about tonight and take them home with us tonight and in the morning. And will you apply these that we may grow in our following? Grow to be stronger Christ followers. As we try to find out what this weird word is that Brother Fred keeps saying, what followology is all about. Dismiss us to that end, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you tonight.